Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. It's so good to have you here, especially if you've come for the first time. Thank you for joining us. I met several of you who came in the door. Thank you for being here. And uh, for those of you who've been here for, for 20 years, way to go. It's, uh, it's kind of a gloomy day, but may Christ uh, fill us really with just his joy in our hearts and change us. And uh, so we are in a series. It's called A Gift That Changes the World. And as usual, we're going through, our pastors are teaching through uh, the book of Luke. And we've been in Luke chapter 1, uh, uh, the third gospel. And so today is just, as a, just to give you the context of where we're headed. I want to remind you that a couple weeks ago, Pastor Tim uh, taught us that the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah, the priest, and told him that he, his wife, Elizabeth, who was 70 years old, <laughs> this doesn't happen often, church, <laughs> she was going to have a baby for the very first baby, and they were going to call that baby John. And John, who was the cousin of Jesus, was going to be the, really the, the first one and the big one to proclaim and announce, Jesus is the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the one you've been looking for. And so uh, last week, we saw how Mary, the cousin of Elizabeth, received news from that same angel, Gabriel, that she was going to give birth to, to the Christ child. And imagine she was a teenager and what that must have felt like. The story picks up here today where Mary uh, goes to uh, the home of Zechariah and her cousin Elizabeth. And we know that Elizabeth is, is more than six months pregnant. You see that in Luke 1.26. And, uh, and, and Mary knows about this pregnancy because the angel in Luke 1.36 actually told her about it. And so Mary's probably thinking this, if anyone can understand what I'm going through, even though I'm a teenager and she's 70, it's Elizabeth, my cousin, because God has miraculously given her this baby, John. And now, Lord, through this virgin conception, I'm going to give birth to the Savior of the world. So that's a little bit of the background of where we've been. And so today we come to God's word in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. And I want to remind you, as we do each week, this is God's holy sovereign word. May he change us by his holy power and his great word. Listen to God's word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, 
when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You see, as soon as Mary, Mary speaks, Elizabeth is, is overwhelmed by the, by the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. And the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps, verse 41 says. Verse 44 says, he leaped for joy. And, and was this just because uh, Mary's voice was kind of comforting and was family and, you know, that was kind of the voice you, you knew about? No. That baby leaped for joy because he, John, the unborn baby, was in the presence of the unborn Savior of the world. And so today, we're going to see that, that all these, in all these incidences, the joyful worship erupts, erupts in the presence of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And it's so beautiful how God works in the hearts of people here in this story and works in our hearts. Joy, even in the midst of even hard stuff that we face. You know, uh, as I think about uh, John, this unborn baby leaping for joy, I wonder what that was like, you know? But it also makes me think about scripture in the Old Testament where this happened. There was a leap, other people who leaped in the presence of God. And I just remember King David. You remember when he restored the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the very presence of God dwelt, in the holiest place in all of Israel, in that box called the Ark of the Covenant. You know, when he restored that Ark of the Covenant after it had been stolen by the, the Philistines, it says in 2 Samuel 6.16, as the Ark of the Lord came into the city of David, which was Jerusalem, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David, notice what he's doing, leaping and dancing before the Lord. You see, David did not leap and dance to draw attention to himself, but rather to humbly glorify God alone. In the presence of the sovereign Lord of the universe, unborn babies and mighty kings leap before this Lord with joy. So the application for you today isn't, hey, you're going to have to learn to dance here at the vine. No. Aren't, you, aren't you, most of you glad about that? No, it's not that. It's this. Here we see that John the Baptist is leaping because he became a prophet and he, David, leaped as well. And this Christmas season that we, our hearts, might leap with joy because of Christ and his presence with us and that he might become more and more our heart's desire. And as he works in our hearts, in our life today, that we would learn how the Holy Spirit is just prompting us, each one differently, to respond in worship. 
So we'll see in this passage today that joyful worship erupts in the presence of Jesus. And we see it in this narrative portion of our text. But now we come to kind of a lengthy song that Mary sings. As soon as she hears from Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, Holy Spirit's at work, that baby inside of me leaped because of your baby, the Savior of the world. And then Mary is overwhelmed. And she sings this song, and it's, again, got a lot of words, and there's a lot to teach here, but we're going to just look at a couple things this morning about what's called Mary's song called, ordinarily, the Magnificat. So look with me here at at that song and kind of stay with me and look for things. If if you know a little bit about the Old Testament, you're going to see a, a lot of references to it. In fact, 12 times Mary refers to the Old Testament in this song. See if you can identify a few or any. Listen, listen to this great song of joy. Verse 46, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And then there's a closure of the story, and it says in verse 56, And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, for about three months and returned to her home. Well, just a couple, just wonderful themes that we see in this incredibly song of joy by Mary. And and the first one is this, is that the Virgin Mary uh, sings this, Jesus exalts the humble and tears down the proud. And we see that in verses 48 and verses 51 and 52. Look at 48. It says there, for he, God, has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Here the words mindful is translated in James chapter 2, 3 to show special attention to someone. And Mary, though she wasn't a princess, she was an ordinary, actually poor girl, probably a teenager, who grew up in this little kind of podunk town called Nazareth in northern Israel. And God shows her special attention. He's mindful of her. But he didn't show her special attention because she was great or she did something significant or she would do some wonderful ministry for God. No, God, by his mercy and his grace, chooses Mary, who is humble of heart to receive 
this news and to actually welcome Jesus, her unborn child, who would become the savior of the world. Verse 50 describes those whom God notices. It says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And we know to fear God is to love God more and more in his word and promises and to hate sin more and more and more. From the rest of scripture, we know that, again, God doesn't notice us. Look at it, you and me, because we have something in ourselves that's great or significant. It's because of his wonderful, merciful choice. And I don't understand that. Why he loves in such a way and how he can love you and me in that way. But it's so wonderful whom God notices. And if you're worshiping Mary's God today, if you are surrendered to the child who was born of Mary, Jesus Christ, you know, you too are noticed by God. Last week, we, we saw from Scripture that God calls you his beloved. It's amazing. It's hard for us to believe, right? It's really great stuff. And here, Mary continues to see and, you know, who God, who God exalts and who does he kind of diminish, if you will. Verse 52 says this, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and exalted those of humble estate. You see, God, he takes down the haughty and exalts the humble. Humility is the key pathway to joy. As you humble yourself before the Lord and are not proud before him, as you realize your need for a savior, and you're quick to confess your sin to him and to others. God exalts those kinds of people. He loves to be mindful of us. Those of us who follow him in faith in that way. You know, in all of scripture, we see this that pattern of God that he, he loves those who are, sometimes the world would never choose. Remember, with, like with with. Uh, the choice of Samuel. When God looked for a king, he bypassed the seven elder sons of Jesse and he chose the youngest, the little smallest child, the shepherd boy, David. And when God wanted to call a great prophet to shine the light on his son, John the Baptist, for example, he chose someone who didn't wear the greatest, latest fashion. <laughs> That guy didn't dress well at all. Tim shared with us that he wore camel hair, camel's hair. And he didn't have such a, a, a great diet either. He ate locusts. That's bugs. <laughs> you know, God exalts those who will humble themselves in his sight and exalt him as Lord and Savior. You see, uh, for example, later on in John the Baptist, once he was born and he grew up, he became this prophet. And he had this huge ministry in the, in the, down by the Dead Sea area, and thousands were streaming to him. And one time when there were huge crowds, 
his followers said, John, this is a great opportunity. Now you got the chance. Now just tell people more about yourself and they'll, they'll, they'll buy in. But what did John say to them at that moment? I love these words. It just speaks to my heart and humbles me. John 3, 28. He says to his followers, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Notice these words. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Do you see what's going on in John's heart? He's saying, Lord, I'm willing... I want to decrease. I don't want my name to be made much of. I want your name to be glorified. I want to put the light, shine the spotlight on you and your glory. Guys, ladies, listen to this. Listen, this is so important. You want joy? Shine the light on Jesus. Make much of Jesus' name in your life. Increase his glory, and God will increase your joy. Focus. Focus on the fame of our mighty, wonderful, sovereign God. You see, it's not about us. It's about him. In this season, it's not about our greatness or our name. Are we making much Are we exalting? Are we praising our great God? Amen? Amen. And so the second just theme, and there's many here we could look at that we want to look at in this song of joy of Mary is this in verses 53 through 55 is that Jesus fills the hungry and empties the rich. Look at verse 53 again. It says, he, the Lord, has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, just to clarify, uh, remember when he says the rich he has sent away empty, he's not talking about people monetarily. How do I know that? Well, if you look again back at Mary's song, verse 55 says that the promises are basically to Our fathers, verse 55, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Remember, Abraham was a very rich man. And he was, God honored him because he was a humble, rich man. You see, what he's talking about is a richness, a riches, spiritually speaking. He's saying, what what you're here, what... (laughs) What I'm talking about, are you willing to be weak? Are you willing to, to, are you willing to, to say, I am in myself, in my own works. I'm impoverished. I'm a pauper, so to speak. But with Christ, I have everything. 
And it doesn't matter whether you have little money or lots of money. It's about your heart. Where is your heart? Jesus, it says here, fills the hungry and empties the rich. You know what? I love to eat. Anyone uh, agree with that? And, you know, I'm so glad. My wife was at the first service, Lizanne, and she, she doesn't love to eat a lot of different things, but she makes me these unbelievable dishes, and they're all pretty colorful and beautiful. And I love to eat them. But here, in God's word, it's not talking about a physical hunger. It's talking here about a spiritual hunger. You know, are you longing for God more than anything else in your life? That's really the point here. Is Remember that Mary was hungry for God to fulfill everything that he promised. And when Gabriel, she heard Gabriel's announcement and sang this song, she was singing of her desire for God to accomplish all that he said that he would do, right? God creates the hunger that we need, and then he satisfies the hunger with himself. Isn't that beautiful? He does the work. Are you asking him, Lord, make me hungry for you? God, cause my heart to be unsatisfied with everything else that the world says, hey, that's what you should be satisfied with. May we hunger for Christ alone in this season. We know, as we've been celebrating, he has come as a little baby, but soon, very soon, we believe he will return to this earth as a mighty conquering king and we will be brought, those of us who believe in him, simple faith will be amazingly brought together in his presence forever and ever. That is so beautiful, church. Do we realize all that God has done for us and what he wants to do for us? You know, uh, on Sundays, <laughs> we start pretty early, you know, preacher dudes. We get up early in the morning and I eat my breakfast probably at about 5 a.m. So about by 1.30 uh, when I get home, I'm a little hungry. And, and you know, I get home and I'm kind of like a ravenous beast, actually. And I'm looking for food anywhere. You know, refrigerator's open, pantry doors. Let's answer, shut those doors. <laughs> But I'm just looking for food. And I, you know, I start to grab stuff and I eat and I eat and I eat. It's like every Sunday afternoon is like another Thanksgiving day. At the end of it, I'm like, wow, did I eat a lot? I'm so full. I'm so stuffed. You ever had that feeling? But give me about three or four more hours and I'm starving again. <laughs> it's crazy about hunger, physical hunger. But spiritual hunger, are you hungry for God? Do you desire Him? And then ask Him to satisfy the desire, your very hunger that you have. 
You see, a great prayer could be something like this. Lord, we are in need. Without you, we will remain unsatisfied. At the root of our dissatisfaction is a never-ending hunger that nothing in this world can satisfy. God, you are most glorified when you are most sat- we are most satisfied in you. When we are satisfied in you, then, as your word says in Psalm 1611, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. You see, church, you know, the reason why you and I, we struggle sometimes with joy is because we've not invited God to make us, to work in us a hunger for only Him, only God who can satisfy that very hunger that He gives. So may we pray as we come into this Advent season practically, daily. Think about this week, praying each day. God, cause my heart to hunger for you and satisfy me with yourself. Grant to us a hunger this Advent season as we are looking at these wonderful provisions that God alone can provide. A hunger for peace, a hunger for hope, A hunger for joy as we're looking at today. And a hunger for his love. You know what? If if he's giving us these things, your heart more and more is going to be full. And it's not dependent on how good or bad your circumstances are. May the Lord work deeply in us and fulfill the promise of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 29, 19, who wrote, the meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Hmm. You see, church, joyful worshipers erupt in the presence of God. So today, as we come to the Lord's Supper, I want to invite you to pray two things. First of all, empty me, forgive me, forgive us for seeking to satisfy our hunger with other things. But then, secondly, a prayer of faith cause our hearts to hunger for the joy that you alone provide. Let's pray these two prayers as we prep our hearts for the Lord's Supper and our response to his great work. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.